0: Hey, I'm Alicia Menendez. This is Latina to Latina. Each week, we talk with Latinas on the rise. Today, I'm in New York with Janelle Martinez, an Afro-Latina who saw a void and created something to fill it. Five years later, we all know the work that is Ain't I Latina.
1: Hey, Janelle, welcome to the show. Hey. Thank you so much for having me. My first
0: question is a deep one. You ready? Okay. How early in your life did you recognize your difference?
1: I recognized my difference definitely around school age, and that difference was mainly um, in a racial context. and. A lot of the vocabulary I use now, like this is something that I've been learning through academia and through my own exploration. But the one thing I recognized early on with the difference in terms of racial was um, the fact that I had a Spanish last name, Martinez, and I am a black woman and at the time a black girl. So um, I remember being asked, many children are asked in the first day of school, like, hey, introduce yourself to your classmates. And having the experience of another Latino, actually he was, um, his family was from Spain, and when it came down for us at our table to introduce ourselves, and I introduced myself, he was asking me about, like, my identity, and I, I had never at that time had to think so thoroughly about it because I grew up in a home where Spanish wasn't as prevalent, but I heard my father speaking it and my grandparents. My family identifies as Garifuna from Honduras. So yes, we are from Honduras, but we speak a different language, but we're still Latino. And that time when he uh, questioned my identity and I was like, well, I'm Spanish. And he was like, no, you're not. And, like, back and forth was It's also happening. so New
0: York that instead of being like, I'm Latina, you're like, I'm Spanish.
1: Right. Which at this time, like, to be honest, in 2018, if someone called me Spanish or what? I hear that, I'm like, what the F are you saying? Because it's like Spanish is a language. It's not an identifier. But at the time, everyone, especially to, to your point, I think if you're from the tri-state area, people are like, oh, Spanish, right? So I said that, and, like, we went into this back and forth, and that was the first time where I really, like, left that experience asking myself, why didn't he accept me for what I was saying to him? Like, I said I'm Spanish, which now I would say, like, you know, Latina or more specifically Afro-Latina and really a black woman. But, you know, he just was not, he just wasn't having it. And so uh, there was other moments, I think, in elementary school which led me to have a strong sense of self at home but in the day-to-day interactions people just not understanding my full identity like not getting the fact that because people fundamentally
0: assume that you're black but don't assume that you're latina
1: right because you know i appear and at the time you know throughout my like elementary school journey and middle school journey like my hair I mean I have natural hair now I wear an afro but at that time it was either pressed or at other times it was relaxed and so my hair did look different but even with that there's no getting around the fact that I'm a black woman and I love being a black woman but there wasn't really those intersectional conversations or even those conversations talking about like culture and why it is that when we speak about Latinidad or Latinos like Yes, there's white Latinos, but there's also Asian Latinos, there's Black Latinos, there's Indigenous Latinos. Talk to me about your dad's family. Yeah. Both of my parents are from um, Honduras, and both are Black, and so both identify as Garifuna. So when I say Garifuna, essentially I'm talking about people who are from Africa, but were en route to be enslaved and actually the ship got shipwrecked off of St. Vincent and they were living in St. Vincent and then they got exiled. So people literally were like, get out of St. Vincent and like send them off to die. And the ship ended up going to Roatan. And from there, my descendants ended up going across the Caribbean coast of Central America. And so I had a very strong sense of that identity. We eat garifuna food so, like, there's this dish called hudutu, which Hondurans probably know as machuca, which is, like, a soup. It could be coconut soup. It could be a fish soup um, with a mash plantain. So, like, those... Um, from the continent of Africa, may know it as fufu. Um, Dominicans may know it as, um, you know, mangu or mofongu, um, other folks. So, like, it's it's very much so, like, this mash plantain ball, and you just enjoy it with, like, a seafood soup, or you can even have it with chicken soup. Um, but essentially, like, those types of dishes, pan de coco, which is, like, this coconut bread.
0: And which... Now I'm just hungry. Which language did you speak at home?
1: So my parents wanted me to know my English really well. So they actually, my brother and I, they were speaking to us in in English. My parents to each other spoke Garifuna. So it's interesting because sometimes people will be like, oh, do you speak it fluently? And I don't, but I understand it. Yeah, it's like like my Spanish. Yeah, so it's like I understand Like my grandmother will be talking to my mom and I know exactly what she's saying because it's like, I, I grew up with that. It's not to say that wasn't, around because my father, he spoke Spanish, right? And my mom, she speaks Spanish too, but it's just like to each other because they both were Garifuna, like naturally that was the language that they spoke in. My grandparents as well. When I went to Honduras, that's what they were speaking in our village or where they're from. In
0: what ways was blackness celebrated in your home?
1: Yeah, I think everything culturally was black without being said that it was black, right? So Again, being Garifuna, when we talk about the foods, we can literally trace those foods to, obviously, other Caribbean countries, but also to the continent. When we think about, like, some of the music, like punta and paranda, that is very African. And to be honest, even, like, merengue and bachata, like, that's Black music, even though we don't often affiliate that with blackness clothing and garb and seeing you know the clothes that some of the elders within my family would wear like that's totally connected to africanness um so i think i grew up with that without knowing that it was it didn't click to me like I knew that I was a black woman I knew that these were things that we did but it wasn't until I was older when people asked me about it or you know I talked about the language even then I was like this is black this is African um and this is I think something that like as Latinos when we look at the full scope of Latinidad blackness is often erased from the very foundation of it and It's not until I think these more recent conversations, even though this is a conversation that has been going on for Mm -hmm. a long time, it's not until social media and and online platforms where we can have these conversations and really dissect it. But definitely blackness was like a given.
0: Was there a moment where all of a sudden you felt like your identity was politicized, where it became political for you?
1: To a certain degree, I think in undergrad, possibly. I think more so recently, though, because I didn't start using the term Afro-Latina or Afro-Latinx, really Afro-Latina, until I was an undergrad after I studied abroad and I learned about, it was actually an African-American studies program in France, and I was able to explore and unpack blackness from the U.S. with the expatriate community, and then also blackness with African Uh, immigrants to France and I was like learning about James Baldwin I was like well if all these people are are, like talking about intersectional identity like click Janelle there is a term you should look into it and that's when I actually started getting deep into like dissecting identity and realizing like wow there's this term this was like summer of 2008 that I did this study abroad program called Noir. and it was then that I started using that term but like, in the the political space now, like, in the census and, like, all these conversations around, like, how are we going to classify? I've even heard people talking about, is there really a need for the Latino category? And what do you think? So, this is something that I think about uh, quite a bit. I do think we should have it, but I think, obviously, we need to still remain in having the category of people noting their nationality. But, A part of me also does feel like, and I'm only speaking in relation to, like, Afro-Latinidad, I'm at a place in my identity where I feel like Black is Black, and ethnically I am Latinx. But I will say there is slight difference between, obviously, my upbringing and experience as opposed to someone who identifies as African American from, let's say, the South, and someone that is you know, from the continent. There are differences, but to me, we're still Black. And I think because of the political climate that we are in today, I'm at a place where we, as a community, have to just recognize those differences, but Mm -hmm. also there's power in numbers, and we can't continue having, like, as they call it on... um, social media like diaspora wars we can't continue like nitpicking at identities because we're just doing ourselves a greater disservice
0: when did you know you needed to start ani latina
1: i actually was waiting for someone to do what i set out to do and i know that sounds you are the person you've been waiting for yes i would say that (laughs) or i believe so because the reason why i say that is I've always consumed media. I've loved media my entire life, in particular magazines. And that's essentially why I ended up uh, majoring in magazine journalism at Syracuse. I always knew that I wanted to cover our community, Latinos, the Afro-descendant communities. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. But right after school, I did get an opportunity, actually, to intern for a well-known Latinx publication. And that was one of my intros to learning that my version of Latinidad may not be, like, what everyone else's version looks like. I did see that through the content I was consuming, right, because I was like, where am I in this? Like, I see it in my home, but I'm watching television, and I really wasn't watching Una Visión en Telemundo because I wasn't seeing people that look like myself, But just in, like, the context of American media, too, like, when Latinos were shown, I didn't really see myself. And so at that time, working at that publication as an intern, I had a conversation with the editor. And I was like, yeah, like, are there going to be any plans to, like, include black Latinas or, you know, Afro-Latinas? And her response was like, yeah, we're looking to do more of that or whatever. And this was 2010. And I think a few years later, when I would kind of glaze over their content, it really wasn't being done. And at that time, I was actually working at a business publication, so interviewing entrepreneurs and They inspired me because the key indicator for them was, like, we started this product or we offer this service because we saw a need in the market for it. And I thought to myself, like, the market that I love, obviously, is media. And I was like, what is the biggest thing that I'm not seeing? And it hit me. I was like, well, you're not seeing Women who look like you. Women who look like me. And like storytelling. As a journalist, that's a big part of what we do. Because I don't want to negate the fact that like online there was definitely conversations had. There were platforms out there. There was a lot of conversations happening on Tumblr, like in that 2010, 2011 space. Um, But in 2012, when I was starting to kind of like plan the beginnings of this, I just really wanted to see more layered conversation and stories not just my experience but the experience of other women let me just try it
0: we talk a lot about the importance of representation mm-hmm. and the importance of visibility right and it is to me undeniably important mm-hmm. it also can't be the totality of the fight right so what's then the second piece what do you think are the limits of visibility
1: This is a difficult one because I'm such an optimist, but I also don't know if in my lifetime we'll see complete visibility, to be honest. I think that people have such a resistance to Black identity within the landscape of Latinidad, which is kind of crazy because it's part of it. I mean, I would like to believe that we would. But I think there was always going to be that need for the conversation, the need to like push it so that we can essentially get equal rights in our respective countries.
0: Do you think it's fair to say that other Latinos are the primary consumers of Afro Latino culture?
1: I definitely believe that, and I'll say like white Latinos um, in particular, highly consume. Black Latinx content things. Et cetera. So then what is
0: our responsibility?
1: Two things that initially come to mind. For one, check your privilege, you know what I'm saying? In particular, when you speak about, you know, Latinidad, like think to yourself, am I only thinking of one image of our identity? also in spaces where we're having a conversation around latinx identity the fact that still to this day i see that being a conversation at conferences and different things like that and not one person looks like myself <laughs> and i've like been vocal about it i'm like i remember seeing one time there being a conversation about resistance amongst our community and nobody was a Black Latinx person. And I said to myself, resistance? How can we have a conversation about resistance within our community without having a Black person on there? To me, that's wild, and I think that further leads to, I think, another thing that needs to be done. Make space. Make space for other Black Latinos, Latinxes. Let's talk about
0: Latino, Latina, Latinx, yeah. because... Yeah. You, like me, Mm -hmm. use both. Yes, I do. Webster's Dictionary now recognizes it as an official term. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Where are you on it?
1: Once I saw and heard of Latinx, I've used it because for me, I like to be inclusive in everything that I do because I know what it's like to not be included in dialogue and my existence not recognized. So for me, when I first heard of the term Latinx around, like, I think it was, like, 2014, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to use this because I want to be very inclusive, like, of anyone who identifies as such that doesn't feel represented by the O or the A, right?
0: So who's so like, gender non-binary.
1: Yeah, non-binary, gender queer, non-conforming, all of the identities, because there's so many, I think, that we don't even get the opportunity to talk about but will not feel represented by the O or the A. So for me, it's all about being inclusive in that way that we talk about Latinidad.
0: But you don't use it exclusively the way I don't use it exclusively, and I wonder why that is.
1: You're right. I don't use it exclusively. I think that's because that's, like, 20-plus years Mm -hmm. of using the O or the A, and that's work that I have to do to, like, constantly remind myself to use it because I would never want anyone to feel excluded from, you know, these dialogues. So me using Latino or Latina is um, there essentially— Because there are those
0: who argue that we also cut people out when we use Latinx in the sense that it is a language that has been in existence for a very long time, mm-hmm. that there is potentially a class element or an education element to Mm -hmm. demanding a shift in that language.
1: I would agree there is a class element to it. But how I look at it, too, is in particular, like, the Spanish language. Like, not everyone speaks Spanish, right? So also Spain colonized us. If we want to get real deep into it. Like, this is the colonizer's language that we're fighting over. So I could really give... She makes a a good point. So, if we're going to use it, cool, but like I'm not stressing it. What I will say is where the class element comes from is it's true. This is a term that is used often and dissected and discussed often in academia. And so, even with this work, I always think about, like, who in the Bronx or, like, certain urban neighborhoods, like, how do they receive this message? How do they have access to the fact that Merriam-Webster even said that Latinx is now a term?
0: What do you want from Ain't I Latina? What's the goal?
1: Things change so often. But I think essentially the goal of Ain't I Latina is to show within the media space that a afro-latinidad in particular with afro-latinas like we need to be visible that's in a, a physical way like yes we should be on magazine covers and we should be casted in yes roles that talk about our identity but also roles that you know may not but also to The narrative of the fact that, like, we're professionals, we're activists, we're artists. Like, just know that, like, we're all around you. And this idea that, like, you've never met an Afro-Latina or this is a made-up term, that's just ridiculous. A big, big thing that we need to focus on is sharing more of the global perspective on this identity. We'll post on social media in particular, like, clips of videos from our countries. um, We'll also share, you know, women that are based not in the U.S., but identify as Black from a Spanish-speaking country um, or Caribbean country, or because we've included folks from Haiti as well, which that is a part of the definition of, you know, Afro-Latinidad. So we will have those conversations, but I want uh, my team and I to really focus on that global perspective, and we actually have some projects in the works next year to really document that, you know, in different countries.
0: You're turning 30 soon, is
1: that right? I am. I am out like three months. Right. Yeah, yeah. What are you gonna do to celebrate? So this is probably one of the most intense things that I voluntarily signed myself up for. Um, So about five years ago, so this was like around 25, two of my college roommates, Francis and Tasha, we decided that we were gonna run the New York City Marathon on November 4th to commemorate our 30th birthday. I do run Often I do that as a form of stress reliever, but, like, this is a heightened level of running. This week I've run 13 miles so far. I have one more day, which has to make it to 20 miles. Like, every week I'm calculating, like, how many miles I'm I've run because I have to essentially, like, prepare my body for this very strenuous 26.2 miles. It's exciting. Um, It's a welcome challenge. I do like challenging myself. But that's essentially how I'm commemorating my, my 30th. I'm going to be running the marathon with my closest friends. That should be pretty fun. Janelle, thanks so much. Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, one of the best ways to support us besides telling everyone you know about us is by listening on the Radio Public app. When you listen there, we get paid, and the app's tip button lets you leave us a tip of any amount up to $100. Major shout out and thank you to the individuals who left us our first two tips. We promise to spend it wisely. Thanks for joining us today. Latina to Latina was originally co created with Bustle. Now the podcast is executive produced by Juleka Antigua Williams and me. Amida Ganatro was the sound designer on this episode. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Send us ideas for guests or talk to us about what's on your mind right now. Remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening and please leave a review. We love hearing from you.